So this morning, uh, continuing our practice to exploring this balance between the two primary foundational practice of Buddhist meditation. The first being the practice of samatha, samadhi, that we've been cultivating the last few days, calming. Samatha literally means the stilling and the calming, the mental activity. Integrating the energies of mental activity, the heart, the feeling, nature, body, within awareness using the breath as a tangible experience we can feel with, be with, follow the rhythm of the breath, very, very simple. And in the process of this simplification and returning and again and again to breath within the body, or perhaps for some using sound, beginning to have a taste of some stability, some calm, some gatheredness. The principle of samatha meditation, calming meditation, is taking attention to an object of awareness that helps steady attention within the present. <coughs> so traditionally, what is taught using this first foundation of mindfulness, the body and breath, slower vibration, more earthed vibration than the, the mental activity, which is very flighty, very fast very unpredictable. So taking a few days just to steady and slow and be aware that we, that we have a body and maybe being in relationship to the body in a way that we usually aren't through direct experience of body, sensation and the flow and the pressure and the rhythms helping us to, to ground, to earth, to steady, to simplify. And then balancing and marrying this focus and approach to meditation with the other great stream of practice called vipassana, meaning insight or seeing into the nature, learning to see clearly the nature of our experience. One great Thai meditation master, Ajahn Tate, called the activity of vipassana, being able to discern the difference between mind and the activity of mind. To know mind in its natural state, the jitta or the heart in its natural state as luminous, peaceful, present, aware, quality of knowingness. This in meditation we can recognize. And then with insight and reflection we start to notice the activity. What arises within the sphere of awareness, what arises within the mind. 
in particular beginning to contemplate that which obstructs and hinders without seeing that as something going wrong but seeing that as a natural unfolding of our practice to look more clearly more precisely more honestly and starting to work consciously with the shadows and the complexities and the hindrances that arise rather than taking them so personally but being able to to reflect on their nature helping us to do this is this tool of mindfulness mindfulness that which remembers that which helps us be here this is mindfulness the training of attentiveness here and now the same quality of attention that is held <coughs> towards the breath can be used to reflect on the activity of mind This mindfulness has different attributes this, that is uh, talked about and um, can help us get a fuller sense for this practice of being present, this practice of training attentiveness. One quality within mindfulness that is talked about is atapi, which means this uh, has a quality within the mindfulness of earnestness or sense of investigation, sense of inquiry, sometimes translated as ardent, a sort of passion to really understand, to be here, to reflect. Like I was saying last night, when walking in the, the game park, one's very, has a lot of atapi, very alert, very present, very interested. What might you see? If you're not, you can really get into trouble. At one point we were walking and uh, we had a guide who was very, very aware, very alert. And uh, he was able to hear the call of a bird that warns the rhinos that there's danger. So in that call of the bird, he averted us walking straight into six rhinos, which was helpful. (laughs) So we can miss that, we can miss this lack of atapi. We can get, in our meditation, we can get very sleepy and dull and sort of hang out in a, a soupy space that we call meditation. And can get quite comfortable, but there is no, there is no, uh, there is no real transformation that can happen. We just use, as uh, Ajahn Chah was saying, we use meditation retreats like a good lawyer to spring us out of trouble. But we don't really understand what gets us into trouble. We don't really know how to take then this practice into everything else to maintain our balance, to avoid unnecessary suffering. So inherent in this attentiveness and awareness, we can actually notice this quality is already present curiosity, inquiry, but we can actually 
uh, like a little flame, we can help it grow. We see this sometimes in children, a real natural curiosity, which we somewhere lose along the way, or gets too familiar, and we feel that we, uh, we've understood everything, rather than this fresh, earnest, passionate inquiry, interest. So atapi is within mindfulness. Apamada is within mindfulness. This has the sense of being able to discern. Mindfulness has intelligence within it to discern what is present. Is it wholesome? Is it unwholesome? It's not just taking attention as a, as a method that we hope the very activity will just somehow transform. There has to be some intelligence. There has to be applied this natural. It's not the intelligence of reading lots of book and having lots of knowledge. It's the natural intelligence of awareness that can discern what is present here. What's the quality? What's the nature? Sometimes linked to, a, as one of our teachers called it, linked to a... a an accompanying faculty of mindfulness called sampajanya, which means usually translated as clear comprehension or understanding. Our teacher sometimes translated as intuitive knowing one's senses. Increased mindfulness is intuitive knowing, this being able to sense the nature of what presents itself, what is here what is true, what isn't. So this activity of mindfulness is then, vipassana insight is, is, is uh, enhanced, strengthened through the, the samatha, the, the gathering of awareness here and now, the focusing strengthens and is able to them to be applied, in particular today, exploring when they arise, the hindrances. Rather than taking them so personally and then reacting, being able to see, oh, this is an opportunity to really reflect, to apply mindfulness, insight, It took me quite a while to really get a sense for how to do this insight practice. I think at first I used meditation to to just want to somehow abdicate and check out. I didn't want to be disturbed and didn't realize that in the process of doing that I was actually building a, a ground of aversion any disturbing sound or people or situation would be undermining my, my so-called peace, my little control of my universe. <laughs> this is something as meditators we all can be prone to. And then coupled with that, I had a lot of high ideals about what I should be as a meditator, someone spiritual and peaceful and kind and nice and loving. 
not realizing that actually the more that I was trying to push the world away, the more aversion I was generating, which was unconscious. But in the uh, monastic training, that as a novice, it finally came to a head one day. Ajahn Chah used to say that we really start to practice when sometimes we can't get away, we can't move, and we're confronted with something challenged by something that's very difficult for us. We can't distract, we can't repress, we can't avoid, we can't go on holiday. We're there. So we're training, as as he said last night, little by little training to have the strength of mindfulness to meet reality. There was one teacher, Tibetan teacher, Chogwam Trumpa used to say, Meditation is the art of being realistic, being real with life. We spend a lot of energy avoiding reality, and then some, one day we can't. We can't move, and we're there. We have to face. So we practice to generate, to have the capacity to meet reality. And this one day when I was a novice, and a very small incident Someone had, um, one of my fellow sisters had, uh, we had a cottage that I lived in for the first five years of my monastic life, had no electricity. It was very simple, very basic, and in winter it would get very cold. So we had one fire to light that by the evening time there would be a little bit of hot water to wash. During the day we were actually building, uh, this was in the UK, in the early 80s, we were building a monastery, so the work was very quite hard. You know, putting in roads, building monastery, renovating. Long days, starting at four, going till nine, sometimes later at night. Once a week, we would meditate all night, on the moon nights, and eating just one meal before, before midday. So it was pretty intense, you know, and me trying to be idealistic, it was all lovely. <laughs> and at a certain point, this, this fire that I'd lit in the morning, and then by the time the evening came, looking forward to at least something of a hot shower, and then my, one of my fellow sisters had, hadn't put the, kept the fire going. So, so I, 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 I was actually... This little thing triggered... All the, all the resentment that I hadn't been able to, to even allow into my consciousness because I was a spiritual person, all the, the anger, all the upset that, uh, that I had experienced, which was enhanced by all the sort of sleep deprivation and the training, some of which I, I wouldn't really recommend, but anyway, that's, <laughs> that's what it was in those days, you know, sort of enlightenment or bust, as it was in that moment, it was definitely bust. <laughs> and I, I found myself having a really major meltdown, which was very unpleasant because the, the, the level of uh, anger that came up was so intense, I felt I could start World War III very easily. Very intense energy. And yet, at that moment, there was somewhere, some teaching had gone in, and there was enough mindfulness to actually recognize, at least discern, some red lights going off. You know, that this was uh, perhaps an opportunity. 
I couldn't move, I couldn't, you know, usually the pattern to flight, fight, freeze, these are our patterns when we're faced with that which is uncomfortable. And it's the, they have within those patterns is some health to help us survive. These are our primitive responses to move away, to fight, to freeze. And certainly I'd, my primary pattern was to try and move away. But I'd made a vow to, to be with the situation as we've made a commitment as much as we can, if we can, to stay with this process here, the retreat in a sitting. So I found that the, the only choice I had was to really just meet the experience and apply this power of awareness as it met the very unpleasant and uncomfortable energy that had arisen. So sometimes mindfulness, the Buddha called the flood stopper, it helps to contain that which would flood out and overwhelm, either the flood inwardly and overwhelm the self, or flood out and create havoc. It's that which is, or sometimes it's called the gatekeeper, that which can hold and contain, not, not to repress, not to push away, but can just contain and then applying, rather than judging what we're experiencing if it's difficult, rather than being shaped by it and creating the sense of that's me, rather than projecting it out and blaming, which we often do, it's the fault of someone else in the world around us, that's why I'm feeling this which might be true, but still doesn't necessarily help <laughs> to actually deal with the, the immediacy of the impact. So to contain, the mindfulness can contain, and the vipassana, the insight, the contemplation begins to be interested not so much into why this is here and whose fault it is and what am I going to do about it, which sometimes a Buddha said it's a bit like you already experience a pain and then one adds to it by, you know, trying to figure out why it's here, it shouldn't be here, what did I do wrong, who did it to me, where did it come from, and that's one level of inquiry which can have value does have value, but in this meditative approach, the vipassana, the insight one's not so concerned with that content and why it's there, but we're looking at the more at the construct, the actual immediacy of the energy and the experience or the hindrance, and to begin to work with that. Ajahn Chah said, to know and watch your heart. The heart is pure, but emotions come to color it. So let your mind be like a tightly woven net to catch emotions and feelings that come and investigate them before reacting. So this is the work of mindfulness, the work of samatha and samadhi to have enough steadiness to catch and to contemplate and the work of insight to begin to discern what is the nature here as we start to take attention to the experience as recommended in the in the foundations of mindfulness we start to notice 
what is actually here. There's, there's feeling, feeling on sensation. Let's say a sensation within the construct of our experience. And we're very, very reactive around feeling and sensation. We, we, it's unpleasant, we move away. If it's pleasant, we, we hold. So in this mindfulness, it's just taking a bit more. Mindfulness gives space to reflect. We can just simply know it's, it's unpleasant. So we can name. So an act, one of the techniques and activity of vipassana and insight is being able to name. Or is present, this is maybe aversion resistance, or dullness, or restlessness, or desire. So already the naming of it begins to take some space from the sense of, oh, I'm just really restless and I'm a hopeless case and I can't meditate and it's always been like this. I'm not one of those people that can really do this. We create a whole story when, in fact, the reality of the moment is just actually if we discern with insight, we notice, yeah, there's this restless feeling or there's this heaviness of dullness or there's this heat of aversion or there's this tightness of resistance or there's this longing of desire. What is that, actually? This is the atapi, the inquiry, the interest. So we can know that as sensation, and also coupled with sensation is this, this word I use was feeling tones, like the jitta, the heart, is, is, is colored, is impacted by feeling. So we can reflect, is the mind touched and colored by one of the hindrances? What are the feeling tone of aversion? and so on. And as we start to recognize what is present, then it's one of these guests we can maybe begin to apply. Legend Charles said if, if the, you know, to jump high or jump low, this was a way of talking about skillful means in response to our experience. We're not just a victim of fate. We don't just have to be washed along by whatever appears just sort of blindly endure it and hope it goes away, but we engage with the intelligence, with the inquiry, can engage and begin to work to transform. First of all, not identifying so strongly, being able to have some space and then to reflect. So desire has arisen. Mind wants to move, go somewhere else. Simple thing, get a cup of tea an opportunity to explore what happens if you don't move with a desire. What happens if we contemplate it, take an opportunity to really, like that getting to know an animal in the game park, really looking, wow, look at that. You can go rhino, go, oh yeah, I've seen a rhino, but if you really spend some time and just look and then just receive the experience, contact, the wild animal, it's just very amazing. 
It's not the word that we put on onto the animal. It's a whole experience. In the same way, desire. Just say, what is that energy that's moving? Can we illuminate it with this mindfulness and inquiry? See its nature. Like one of those wild animals. It's a dharma. It's a, Jin Chao say, this is a dharma. This is nature. This is the wilderness. What is aversion? How does it affect the mind? Can we know this is just heaviness, unpleasant feeling, resistance, irritation? To contemplate directly, to soften. In desire, we learn to let be, to let go. With aversion, we learn to welcome, to soften. It tightens the body. The restlessness and dullness, we learn to adjust our energy. Too much restlessness. We need to breathe on the out-breath, calming, steadying, letting be, patience. Too much dullness or wafting or just drifting, we give ourselves a small task to accomplish maybe five mindful breaths, deepening the breath, waking up a bit. With doubts, being able to really inquire into the nature of thinking about, thinking, thinking, doubting, wondering, why is it like this, what should I do? Just notice this is thinking thinking. Who's thinking? It's a very powerful inquiry. Who's doubting? Who's trying? Who wants an answer? Opening the space to notice that that which knows the hindrances isn't hindered. It's just aware. It's this fundamental nature of mind, present, mindful, aware. So today, really exploring to bring into balance, continuing the work we've been doing, mindful breath, one breath at a time, being with the body, cultivating this steadiness. But if something arises to disturb, reactivity, not to, as Ajahn Charles said, don't use meditation to stay in the trenches all the time. The the Buddha was a warrior as well. There is an aspect of this training. It's not, you know, it is about getting peaceful, but it's also about meeting the challenges proactively. Rather than, oh no, another hindrance. Oh God, (laughs) stick my head under the duvet. (laughs) Woe is me. (laughs) I'm inflicted. Only me. (laughs) I've got to go and do a bunch of therapy. I know it. Loads of you know body work and this and that and that and this. It may be all true, but in this moment we have, <laughs> we have the opportunity. You know, it's what it is now. In this moment, we have the power. We have the power. The mind, the mindfulness is is in the awareness. Mind forgets its own innate power. 
its own innate stability, its own innate clarity and intelligence, to apprehend the difficulty. All circumstances are apprehended by mindfulness, overcome by wisdom, revealing through insight and inquiry the fundamental emptiness of every circumstance, spaciousness, ephemerality, revealing and leading the heart to recognize its own peace here and now. This is the opportunity within every circumstance that arises, every hindrance, every condition. So using whatever appears for us today as an opportunity to develop and sharpen our wisdom, Sajjan Chah said, these two aspects of the meditative work, the samatha, the samadhi, the calming, the wise reflection, investigation of vipassana, he said it's a bit like a, a candle in the flame. The samatha is like building a candle, have some strength of mindfulness and presence, but we don't just build a huge candle, we have to light it to illuminate the nature of mind, to inquire, to reflect, to activate our innate wisdom in response to the nature of the world. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.